Driving? No purchase necessary. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Radio Free Radio Radio Free Urbanism. Hello and welcome back to Radio Free Urbanism, a fantastic podcast, top rated in Apple Podcasts, actually. I don't know if you've checked the ratings lately, but it's a number. It's it's there. It's uh, <laughs> or the opportunity to rate if it doesn't have ratings is there. Please leave us a five-star review before you've even listened to this episode. I promise we will deliver, and that is because I'm joined by two very Shockingly handsome co-hosts. If you're watching this on YouTube, avert your eyes because they're beautiful. We've got Nick here to join us. Hello. And, of course, Ethan as well. And before you've even listened, be sure to like this on YouTube. And and subscribe. And leave us a comment. Exactly. Uh, we, do, we do get into listener mail. So if you leave us a comment, you'll get a shout-out on the podcast. Speaking of shout-outs, actually, I want to start off with a shout-out for... Sergey, who's been listening to the podcast, uh, he's a great guy. He works at my favorite restaurant around the bend. So shout out to Sergey, great guy, and he makes great food. Um, but I also want to bring up some beef I have uh, as we get started with the show. Uh, City Nerd Ray recently <laughs> published a video where he talks about 56 cities that or 56 city pairs that should have high speed rail. And he did math and stuff in it. So, like, lends legitimacy. Also, he's, like, a professional of some sort. He's smart, you know. I think it's fantastic. But Edmonton and Calgary were not included on the list. And it just, it <laughs> broke my heart a little bit. And I was like, how could this have happened? Edmonton and Calgary are perfect city pairs for high-speed rail. Which they are, okay. Uh, to but they didn't make it onto the list. people in Edmonton and all 15 people in Calgary exactly this is this is what i'm saying i've got people i want to see up there um so i'm just saying uh if well i mean if isn't alberta like completely flat so just like wave across to them you know this is the sight lines are that good the earth's this is this is the thing like the path is like straight and flat already um and i just listen guys please please i just need as much support as possible um, I would just really appreciate like an amendment where it's like, actually, I was wrong. Uh, Edmonton to Calgary is number one. Uh, that would that would be great because I don't know. I don't know. I just really it's important to me. Um, anyways, we'll call him up. <laughs> we'll call him up. We'll, um, we'll let him know. So, so uh, our, our next thing here, uh, Nick has Nick has some things to say. Yeah, so uh, I uh, had an experience this uh, past weekend. I decided to go for a rainy bike ride, as you do when you live in Vancouver, to explore some some places I hadn't been to in a while, the Central Valley Greenway that heads into to Burnaby to the east. And I had a great ride, but uh, I, uh, I got cut unprepared, and I didn't bring a spare tire or my bike pump, and I, I got a flat tire, which happens, you know, from time to time. But usually mm-hmm. I'm like, it, it doesn't happen. It's been years since I've had a flat tire on my bike. But uh, there's this wonderful thing about living in a place like Vancouver is that when I had the flat tire, all I had to do was roll to the nearest SkyTrain stop, which, by the way, this this trail runs underneath the sky SkyTrain. Oh, cool. And then I could just go on the SkyTrain and then ride it to the bus and then take the bus home. How freaking awesome is that? It's pretty nice, huh? That is pretty nice. I think yeah, we should we have that some- everywhere. 
So this, not only having the synergy between transit and micromobility is fantastic, but to be able to bring on your micromobility device onto the transit bonus, just amazing. We love that kind of, we love that kind of level, you know, that, um, what you call, you know, the second option. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun because I hadn't, I, I rode the bus maybe like a month ago when I went to a sports game. So it's not very often I get to go on the bus. So it was, it was kind of fun. And it, the last time I put my bike on the bus, who goof? It's been years, many, many years since I've done that. And it took me a while to actually get it on. I had my GoPro running, so I got I haven't checked the footage yet. I got to check it out. But like the bus driver was getting mad. I wanted him to come help me because I was like, I haven't used this in so long. It mm-hmm. took me forever. And he's like, <laughs> kept pointing and gesturing to try to yeah. tell me how to make it work. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I got it. And he's like, you have to put it further up. So I went back out to fix it. It, it was fine. We figured it out. We, but yeah. Yeah. We got there. Yeah. We got yeah. there. Eventually. It took us, it took, took a minute. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? I just I just want to say this is how Nick has learned to love transit. Okay, for the past several months, Nick has been hating on transit privately. He actually he hates trains. He hates buses. But then he got a flat tire. Yeah, he's one of those cyclists. He's one of those cyclists who has an SUV and then just drives his bike (laughs) everywhere. I thought you were going to say that I only bike. And if you don't bike, you belong in hell. And that's the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, now Nick loves transit cause he realizes it, that it doubles as a tow truck for your bike. <laughs> <laughs> That's the true. World's yeah. cheapest tow truck. What was it? <laughs> like three fifty for it? <laughs> three sixty, I think. So yeah. Oh my Close. goodness. You got overcharged. They're hosing you, man. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's like, it is amazing though. How convenient that is. And I really think, so I'm assuming were there, it was two bus, two bike racks or two spots for the bikes. Two spots, on, yeah, yeah, on the bus. Yeah, and it's just fantastic because you don't need it all the time. You don't see it all the time, but it is like, it is this little, little thing that really like makes makes a big difference uh, just, just when you happen to need it, right? Yeah, totally. And I don't think a lot of people use it in the summertime. It gets more used, I'm sure, but it's not that often you see a, you know, a, a bike used as a, a weapon at the front of a bus. Yeah. You see, the thing is, is that I think a lot of people don't use it because like, it's just a, it's such a contraption thingy mabob on the front of the bus. Yeah. You're just like, what the hell do I do with that? It, Cause like yeah. me personally, I've never done that with my bike. I've never brought my bike on the bus. Cause I'm just like, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess, you yeah. know, like I, I have no, I'd have no clue. And I know that there's guides on how to do it, but I feel like it's just. I don't know. It just doesn't, just doesn't feel intuitive enough to use. Yeah, it's a bit intimidating. But yeah, yeah. Now that I've used it recently, if I use it again in the next year or so, I'm sure I'll easily remember how to use it. Like it's literally pull it down mm-hmm. and then just put your bike on and then just pull the other thing and put it over the wheel and that's it. But yeah, yeah it took me more than <laughs> steps than that in practice for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, I think actually Las Vegas at. Um, one of the transit centers actually has like a little like demonstration thing on how you can like practice using it. They have like a little bike center at the um, that's cute. bus station downtown. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> oh, um, it is. Yeah, because you know what? So so on this topic of education, um, when we like when we're growing up, we learn about driving. Right. And when, you know, you're 16 or whatever, you might do driver's ed. Right. But there's. No explanation on how to navigate the world using transit. And I think this is this is another area where where we can work 
is uh, is educating people on how to use transit. Because now that I've been using transit mostly, as well as cycling, um, supplementally, to get around for six months now, it's it is like actually easy. Like it, it is super easy and really uninteresting. Um, actually, once you once you get the hang of it and once you know how to do it, you're just like, well, yeah, this is just how I get around. And so I think that education uh, part is is a big deal because if growing up you're like, oh, and this is how you put your bike on a bus. If you need to make that connection, right? If you want to ride from point A to point B and then take the bus to point C and then ride from there, right? Um, I think it's a great trip extender. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, if you were able to get that education earlier, I think that serve you, serve you well, right? Cause you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that confusion. It'd just be, yeah, you just pop it down like this. I learned how to do this just in case I ever needed it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now it's easy. It's intuitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Transit education. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I, th- I think it would be great. Um, but let's move on to this. Uh, Ethan. So, folks, um, yeah, subjects on me now, apparently, but um, this weekend, I'm going to announce this here. First place, I'm announcing it. Um, I'm going to be in Phoenix, Arizona for the opening of the Northwest Extension by Valley Metro. So that event goes from, I believe, nine in the morning to noon. I'll probably be there later in the day, but if you're going to that, you may actually see me there. So if you're in the Phoenix area and if you're one of our listeners, feel free to stop by, say hi, you know, and I'll be in Phoenix for most of the day. So I'll be checking out transit there. Um, I'm also going to be checking out the wonderful community development down in Tempe called Mm Cul-de-Sac, which is the first kind of modern car-free development in the U.S., And I mean, it's really just kind of a model for a lot of other developments, too. But it'll be super exciting to check out the urbanism of Phoenix. Can you believe that I'm saying that? Who who would think a place like Phoenix has even the slightest amount of urbanism? There's some (laughs) unexpected urbanism for you. Do you have an idea of how big cul-de-sac is? Like, is it a cul-de-sac where it's like no cars here? Or is it like a bigger development? So... It's really, it's, I think it's only like a, I think it's a couple hundred units if I'm not mistaken. Um, they range from studios to two beds, but, um, Hmm. it mostly kind of fits on like the normal, like, like what you would imagine for like a space of development for like a couple of five over ones, except, you know, it's, it's, it's a much better land use even than a five over one, which is, it's super exciting. You know, it's from all the photos I've seen so far, it's got these really nice little alleyways that are constantly shaded, um, it's got plenty of shade trees. I've seen some of the bicycle parking there. It looks excellent. And it's mixed use too. Like they have like restaurants on the property, you know, so it's, it definitely looks like an interesting community development. And I can't wait to go check that out in person and get some more, you know, footage for it. And we can always talk about it on the next episode because it really has been making the rounds. And I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Hank Green, Hank Green was just there today. So which is it, cool. Yeah, they're they're bringing awesome. in all the influencers to go see the to go see the um to go see cul-de-sac. And I love that yeah. they have a road called Electric Avenue after the company Electric. Really? They've got a partnership with Electric, yeah. They named one of the streets. I think Electric is from Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. Are they? Yeah, I think they're they're either based out of Phoenix or Tucson, but yeah, they're they're an Arizona company. That's awesome. 
I think they may have gotten their start in Minneapolis, but I think they moved to Arizona later on. But yeah, I, I have electric myself. So, you know, that's I, I don't swear to any brand loyalty, but with e-bikes, but, you know, um, I, I will I will I will sell out. When it comes yeah. to e- when it comes to micro mobility, I will sell out. He will get a tattoo on his ass. Yeah, yeah, correct. And 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 he, you'll make sure it's seen, right, Ethan? Oh, absolutely. Uh, for the patrons, for the patrons, for of the course. patrons. Yeah. Uh, you think you're getting that for free? I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's super excited. I'm I'm very much looking forward to hearing your report back on on what it's what it's like but i also want to hear um the the extension in uh in phoenix yeah uh, what what are your expectations with that how many stations are opening up what's what's so the deal there we're going to be seeing three new stations and the end station is supposed to be both a transit center and eventually tod is going to be built all around it because it's built at the spot of a dead ball um, mm-hmm. I know that that had been brought up in conversation before. We've actually already talked about this on the podcast. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a super exciting development. They've released plenty of photos and videos of the stations already, and they look really nice, clean and modern. It should hopefully go with it well with their rolling stock. And I mean, there have been some questions. Um, I know one of the big ones I've seen is that they've been trying to replace their ticketing machines, but apparently there's been some supply chain issues. So it'll be interesting to see if their new stations have these ticketing machines, but I'm I'm super excited to see these stations. I mean, they should be very promising, even by light rail standards. Yeah. And of course, yeah, I'm going to check out the bus services there, too. I'm yeah, I've kind of become I'm not picky with transit anymore. If the city has transit, I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go get yeah. video of it. That's awesome. <laughs> and will you be signing autographs? Uh, if anybody wants one, um. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you want one, but you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not opposed. <laughs> that would be I'll, I'll, sign, I'll be signing all your Valley Metro stuff. With That's autograph. what I was thinking. Yeah, any kind of Metro passes you might have on hand, get them ready. <laughs> that would be actually that'd be like an interesting thing to collect. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. What Metro passes? Yeah. Signed no, metro no passes. I know a lot of people oh, collect yeah. Metro passes, but like signature, <laughs> like Metro passes signed by urbanists. That That's would definitely cool. be an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would come in. So, yeah, this is the SEPTA key card I got that's signed by Alan Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, well, why not? You know, I mean, could you imagine if you had something signed by Jane Jacobs? <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. That, that would, would be like, pretty cool. You know, that would be pretty cool. So make you get sure your you your New Jersey uh, Turnpike receipt signed by Robert Moses and so <laughs> That would be incredible. You get your TTC card signed by RM Transit by Reese. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You could and if you come to Calgary, get your get your Calgary bus ticket signed by me. You know, get your RTC uh, ticket signed by me. <laughs> Go to Vancouver, that, that get your be... si- SkyTrain ticket signed by Nick. No, I, I don't sign those. No. Oh. Nick, oh. I'll sign your bike though. Oh, wow. okay, okay, yeah. Oh, right. Nick's anti-transit yeah, that's right. pro that's pro right. bike. He he's only he's only a fan of transit when it serves him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which he sees it as a tow truck for his bike. That is all. <laughs> yeah. Brake in case of emergency, but he wants them. He wants them riding around with great frequency, regardless. Um, yeah. Which you know what? I guess we're on the same side. But you know uh, what? 
it is really it is really interesting to you know see that kind of pedestrianization come around you know and yeah. just that agreement with cyclists and you know transit users and speaking of the infrastructure that we can agree on um a new law just passed in california would you guys like to hear about that one? Oh, please please oh, do. i'd love to tell us so recently starting january 1st 2024 the state of california has passed a daylighting law that officially requires all intersections to be clear within about 20 feet of them, I believe is what the law says. But it essentially means that there's going to be more visibility around intersections, maybe a little less parking in the city. I know what a sin, but hey, we'll have more visibility at our intersections. It'll be easier to see pedestrians. And while sight lines aren't everything, it will definitely be super helpful. And it's just a little law change that we could see, you know, Definitely maybe reduce the amount of, you know, impacts that it has on pedestrians. But what do you guys think about this law? I mean, I think it's a great first step, right? Like it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, totally. And I just saw a video from Doug Gordon and Street Films that was on YouTube recently where he was highlighting the daylighting in New York City, too. Hmm. And the, the change that they're making to just make it safer for pedestrians and cyclists. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've Better. definitely seen some really good daylighting exa- examples when I was traveling around last summer. Um, I saw some really good ones up in Seattle where they used the bike lane to kind of basically bul- they used bulb outs with the bike with a protected bike lane, which mm-hmm. I thought was really, really smart for, yep. you know, increasing visibility and also increasing the protected, you know, ability of the bike lane. And then I also saw some really ragtag ones that kind of sucked, like Chicago had some that were like bulb outs, but they only used um, flexi posts. Hmm. And so you'd run into an intersection where all the flexi posts have been taken out. And it's basically like, there's not even a bulb out there anymore. And everybody's right. just driving over it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like making, making it a rule is a great, great first step, but then actually um, trying to make sure that you like m- create infrastructure right in this video we're watching right now from this is from street films nick yeah yeah doug gordon from war on cars um oh i love i love war on cars um like in this in this video you see a lot of like temporary infrastructure and not even like just temporary but it's flimsy infrastructure um so it's it's a it's a start it's a it's a place to begin things um but then hopefully what we start doing is uh, building what we see here where where we've got concrete um, put down and and some flower beds sometimes and stuff that that makes a much bigger difference than just pylons Um, because pylons can be moved or toppled over yeah absolutely and it's something that i've noticed too just here in vancouver is something we need more of in neighborhoods is where people will park their cars in places like this, where you could have daylighting, right? You could have daylighting here. Instead, there's a car here, which is going to block the visibility for any other vehicles coming around that corner or mm-hmm. through that intersection, which just makes it incredibly dangerous, unnecessarily dangerous. Like we don't need that in our cities. So these are simple things that we can do. It's already usually illegal to park in these places to begin with, but to mm-hmm. actually make it impossible for people to block those those places for visibility is you know, important for safety. Yeah. Yeah, because it's yeah. about it, it's about people, right? And and when you're driving, obviously you don't want to hit somebody, right? No. So uh, yeah, we're giving up a few parking spots to make sure 
people walking or people cycling or children in strollers or on bikes or whatever are safer. We're also making sure like you can get around your city without being nervous about, oh my goodness, what's going to be around this corner? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that's fantastic. I'm excited um, that, that that's a start and then hopefully, Hopefully they start really going, uh, going kind of gung ho on putting the uh, put, putting the built environment to kind of back Enforcement up. Enforcement is probably going to be the biggest thing when it comes to cities in California, because obviously mm-hmm. not every intersection is currently retrofitted to have any sort of bulb outs or anything like that. So, I mean, obviously you do have your good examples, but I mean, a vast majority of it is still people parking straight up to the intersection. And hopefully we can we can see some changes with that. But, you know, the law is definitely a good start. And with it being now illegal to park within 20 feet of an intersection, it's going to be super helpful. And then, you know, we'll just have to build the infrastructure to, you know, ensure that people don't, you know, break the law. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So I'm excited to continue seeing how that develops. But speaking of losing parking spaces... Uh, here in Calgary, uh, they are looking at a uh, transit-oriented development, a TOD. That disgusting. That word of the day is TOD, transit-oriented development. And yes, it is disgusting. Building housing for people and removing parking spaces, it's absolutely dreadful. But I'm going to show you guys uh, just, a, just a quick picture of where this TOD is so you can get an idea. And it's going to be it's going to be a little guy. It's not a it's not a big big thing. So here is a picture. So affordable housing. So this is the parking lot. There are two parking parking lots at this Franklin LRT station, and it's right here. There are some neighborhoods here, and there's uh, up towards the north of the station are uh, industrial zones and stuff. Um, but yeah, so they're going to turn this parking lot. It's not a huge Huge spot, um, but they're going to turn that into some affordable housing and uh, right at the train station, which is the best spot for that sort of thing. So I'm uh, I'm very much looking forward to this one. That's awesome. Yeah. So did they say how many units they're going to be building there? Uh, let me check here. Um, do do because. That, I mean, it doesn't matter necessarily just yeah. to densify the area, especially when it comes to being near transit stops is hugely yeah. important. So, so it's saying 200 to 300 units, which is going to be, I have the the uh, information here. Let so me like a mid rise of some sort. Yeah. Or even like, I, yeah, like it's, it's not going to be super tall, um, but uh, it's, it is a start. So let's see where the. Average household size in Calgary, I think, is something like 2.1 people or maybe 2.6 even. Um, and so that's uh, that's going to, you know, it's going to house, you know, 500 to 700 people um, right right at the transit stop, uh, which is great. You know, that's, that's more housing. Every little bit counts. And I also think... Uh, doing this one. This is a smaller one. We have some bigger parking lots that we could turn into transit-oriented developments in Calgary along the trains. 
Um, but uh, start starting with something small like this, showing how well it works, and uh, and then continuing to to build out other spaces like this. Uh, every little bit helps as we're in a housing crisis. Um, and uh, yeah, the city's not getting any smaller population wise. So um, being able to do this is, is going to be a big boost for us. I think my uh, my one gripe with this project is not necessarily the TOD itself. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I think my biggest gripe with this is that the station is in a highway median. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. all know how lovely it is to wait at a highway median station. Yeah, I'll say, I mean, again, same thing like we talked about a few a few weeks ago with uh, like calling this a highway median is a little generous um, or uh, pessimistic, I guess. Uh, the speed limit here, it it's just coming. Oh, I forget you guys have yeah. your Canadian speed limits. Yeah, so this, this, this one is 80 kilometers per hour, maybe even. Yeah, I think it's 80 it's here. Still- I'd say the um, thing and is then that it's about to drop down to 60 as well um, as you as you go past it. So it's not um, it's not horrible. Um, and and you're not crossing you're not crossing like six lanes. You're crossing like three lanes to to get across get across to this. So I, I agree that there are better places to put train stations. Um, but uh, this is not absolutely horrid. You see, your solution to this would just be to just get rid of the highway. <laughs> <laughs> Try exactly. to sell that one in City Hall. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. Trust me, I got this. I Come got down this. to City Hall with me. He's even. gonna bring bombs. That's all he's yeah. got. He's got. There's no argument <laughs> happening. Just make it happen. Your highway <laughs> is bad. <laughs> highway bad. Train good. Highway bad. Yeah. Um, Makes Calgary worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll well, get how him. can I dumb this down for you? Oh my god! <laughs> Ethan Ethan says to City Council, uh, <laughs> "Highway <I> bad." <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. That's all I wanted to say. It's like, sir, you still have four minutes and fifty-five seconds left. American to walks in, walks up to the podium. All right, you make you maple syrup drinkers. Uh, train good, car bad. Thank you for your time. Thank you Walk for your out, time. immediately go right across the border back to the U.S. Yeah, Solved all yeah. your problems just like that. <laughs> you're, Ethan, you're, I'm from the future. I'm here to let you, don't go down this path. <laughs> We've made a horrible mistake. I know this is bad. Trust me, I live in America. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen what your future looks like. You do not want to do this highway expansion. <laughs> um yeah so yeah it's some good stuff some good stuff (laughs) happening here uh any any other thoughts before we just move right along to some more transit talk i think we're going to talk a bit more about this in uh response to some listener mail so we can save it for that absolutely yeah yeah it's super exciting though to see tod anyways because we need more apartments oh yeah yeah yeah. and it's, it's great that uh that we're doing it so all right nick you're up. I'm up. Yes. So this is about TransLink, which is the service that runs our buses, the SkyTrain, the C-Bus, etc. There's a strike that's somewhat ongoing, I guess you could say. So this is involving just one union, a small union that kind of covers engineers, supervisors and other positions. It's about only 180 people, 200 people or something like, something like that that have gone on strike. But this has affected the service. In fact, Monday and Tuesday, that's the past two days, today's Wednesday. The buses in Vancouver were not running. Almost all of them were not running to be 
you know, quote unquote, in solidarity with this small portion of TransLink that was on strike. And I'm not going to go into the details of what they're requesting in that because that's not what I want to talk about. I more wanted to bring this up to prompt the idea, is this a fatal flaw in a comprehensive transit system? You know, you have well-paid, relatively well-paid workers who have the ability to go on strike. Is that a fatal flaw when it comes to transit? Hmm. That's that's the prompt I wanted to bring out of this. What do you guys think? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> that's a big one. Maybe I should have talked hmm. about before the podcast, hmm. but that is mildly controversial, big... Nick. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for bringing this topic in. This is going to be great for the clips, folks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Even before we recorded, says. We need to disagree more. We need to get get at each we other's need to throats fight more. On the podcast yeah, more. make it a little spicy. Yeah. So, um, just to, to make a point here, so about essential services. So, for example, there are some services within Canada that are unionized, but effectively can be sent back to work if they go on strike. Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Canada Post, for example. If mm-hmm. if they go on strike, the federal government can unconstitutionally order them back to work, and they're not striking anymore. Or unless they, they'll lose their jobs effectively. So they t- even talked about doing this with TransLink workers is putting them in that position, even though it's been deemed, you know, unconstitutional by the the federal government or the federal. Um, the Supreme what's the Court. Supreme Court. Yes. Yeah. They still keep doing it. So whatever. But that's the thing. So, yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Whatever you're going to say. Um, okay. Before I say what I'm going to say, I need to show everybody something. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, do you know what I'm going to show people? No, not yet. <laughs> okay. I just love the Here. show and tell. Yeah. I I just, I need to make sure everybody gets like a clear, clear look at what we're, uh, at what we're talking about. Because in order to fully understand uh, Canada and, and what our whole deal is, uh, you need to know something about us, okay? Um, and yeah, you guys keep <laughs> keep saying something while I finish pulling this up. Okay, okay. So, so Nanaimo bars are pretty good, right, Nick? <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> you can actually get a uh, cream liqueur and Nanaimo bar flavored. It's quite good. Oh, and you but, can. Uh, That's interesting. Something that I've seen recently <laughs> in the past couple of days on Reddit, mostly like uh, Cycling Vancouver and the Vancouver subreddit, is people looking for alternatives and, you know, solidifying that backup. People looking at how to cycle in the winter and obviously a lot of people getting back into their cars or using Evo, that's car share, stuff like that, while this strike has been going on. Again, the, the buses are back right now. This could This strike could happen again in the next few days. We don't know exactly, but yeah. Right. Um, well, so Nick has forced my hand. Um, Nick brought it up. So I have to share with everybody. If you're watching the YouTube version of this, I just want to show you this pretty building here. First of all, this is the Supreme Court of Canada building. Uh, very beautiful. This is in Ottawa, of course. Um, I actually kind of dig the architecture. But something that I think is even more important for people to understand, and maybe Ethan can describe to the to the listeners what they are missing out on if they're just listening in in their podcast app uh is the supreme court of canada outfits uh ethan can you describe this for the audience so for my americans you know our judges wear pretty simple black robes you know our supreme court justices um the uh canadian supreme court i believe this is their formal wear if i'm not mistaken yes 
Yeah. So in their formal wear, they uh, they have the classic um, two, you know, the two tie neck thing. You know, you've seen you've probably seen it. I think the UK courts wear them as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, they're they're. Robes are essentially like they they look like makes them look like Santa. Yeah, it's very Christmassy. That's for sure. Yes, I'd never seen this before. Have you not seen this? No, this is great. So this is this is the Supreme Court of Canada. Uh, They wear red robes with white fur, and like the cuffs are like huge white fur cuffs. Okay, like you just Google a picture of the Supreme Court of Canada. It is literally Santa's suit. It's a it's a beautiful beautiful thing. Some traditions um, can die, okay? Like when you no, look no, at courtrooms. This, and is, you... this <laughs> is an important one, okay? This is this is beautiful. Hey, didn't these guys also used to wear wigs up until like what the fifties? I think they um, still do that in the UK. I, know I think in the UK, the UK the they higher do. Courts do it, but yeah, I don't know when Canada stopped doing this, but I do love the outfits. Like it really it distinguishes us, you know. Um, so I just, Nick brought up the Supreme Court of Canada and I just wanted to, uh, mention this, uh, before While he's stalling. I say this, this comment, <laughs> this was an urgent matter by Alex this, this to was, make sure true, that we had true. proper context on the situation of unionized workers going on strike. So <laughs> I will say, I, I will always err on the side of, unions and uh, of striking um and so i here here here's the thing i don't like things to stop running um but also i like i am pro-union and i think the whole point of going on strike is to make things stop running um in order to get your due and i think there are a lot of unions, I will talk about it in the future when I'm no longer at the union job that I'm at. Um, there are some unions that are totally ineffective um, because because they won't strike. Um, and, and so then it really like, it, it keeps you back from doing, from like actually uh, giving people a, a living wage. And I don't know, I don't know about this situation. I don't know about this. But um, if if bus drivers go on a strike because they feel they're not being treated fairly or they deserve some more compensation or whatever it is, I say, yeah, let let the system shut down um, and um, and get what you need to get before you get back to work, I guess. That's Mm -hmm. that's that's how I feel about it, although I can also appreciate uh, the frustration that comes and the damage that comes um, when some things are in operating. Yeah, I yeah. would I would mostly agree with you on that one, uh, Alex. It's just the one thing that really kind of bites me on this one rather than, you know, it's not so much the transit shutting down, but it's more or less forcing people without other options to essentially, you know, kind of, they're kind of lost without their options because mm-hmm. especially on smaller systems, I, I don't know if it's the same way in Vancouver, but most riders on most U.S. systems are lower income. And if mm-hmm. you take away transit, you're going to bite into a very, very low budget for people. But also at the same time, worker solidarity and, you know, I want people to make sure that they have a living wage and unions yeah. are 
without a doubt, the best way to collectively bargain for better for better wages. So mm-hmm. it really is kind of this conundrum of like, really, like it. it's just it's really just this huge it's just kind of like two sides fighting it out where it's like you have people who are, you know, not making enough, usually aren't making enough money because that's usually the transit riders, at least with my system. But you also have people that, you know, deserve to be paid a fair living wage and deserve to have that, you know, consistently go up in order, you know, with how the cost of living and other issues like that. So, yeah, it is it is a very, um, very complex issue, but I will side with with workers here and with unions on this one. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, yeah. to measure because there's a lot of things we talk about in society when it comes to equity and fairness. And a lot of times these things come between two different groups of people, two different groups of people are, are you know, want that fairness, but when you do either of them, they just step on each other's, each other's toes. And that seems to be the case here. So it's the decision of, you know, is this okay for a, a period of time, even if it's just a few days, is it worth mm-hmm. that to make sure that we have fair, like you said, fair and living wages for people who are working in those systems. And I think that's, that that's what I think is definitely the right way to go, but it does dishearten me when you see the comments or hear the comments from people about transit when things like this happen, like, oh, why mm-hmm. would I ever take transit? I can't rely on it. This is another thing right. that they can use as yeah. A, yeah. an argument against yeah. transit. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. Um, but that's why we need options. It's about the whole system. It's not mm-hmm. just about having one or the other. It's not a monolith. Yeah. And I keep having to bring mm-hmm. this up and I shouldn't be reading the comments or responding to comments to my videos or YouTube stuff or Instagram, but I do on occasion and I see it so many times where it's like, oh, how can you bike in this weather? Or uh, you can't bike this far. You can't do It's like, it's not about the monolith. It's not about doing it for every single trip. Mm-hmm. It's about having options and freedom to do it however you want to do it. And that, so if one thing doesn't work for you that day, you have another way to get to where you need to go. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, and- the, the whole puzzle. Yeah. That is the most important thing. I mean, it's uh, the overlap. Yeah. Yeah, like I know for me where I live, uh, even if even, the uh, last week this happened to me, I was on my way to soccer and the bus was just not coming. And I guess it, I guess I guess it was canceled or something. I was getting mixed messages um, and <laughs> you got ghosted by the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got ghosted by the bus. And so I'm like, OK, well, what can I do? OK, well, I can go to another bus stop that's a little bit further away. And I started walking to the bus, kind of do the uh, did the race the bus thing, and I started walking to this other transit stop. And well, the bus never came, but I got to this other transit stop, and I was able to refigure out my route based on okay, well, I can take this bus, I can take a different route, and so having having options where okay, well, this one is down, this one's not working, um, I can go somewhere else. It's the same when you're in a car. And there's construction on the road that you normally use because maybe they're widening it or they're repairing the bridge or whatever. You have the option to take a different road, right? You can go somewhere else and get around that. And maybe it takes the same amount of time, right? Um, So having the option to use transit, to drive, to use your bike, to take a train, to use a different bus, to whatever it is, having those options available is, is huge and crucial. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I did take this picture on Monday. So the first day of the strike, 
and I thought it was uh, very, very apt. And as as you can see, there's a, a, a bus shelter and there's like these silhouettes of where people used to sit or had sat <laughs> on the <laughs> bench. And it was, uh, it just felt very, very on point, on the nose. That's, that's kind of a beautiful picture, actually. Yeah, it is. Very yeah. artistic. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was good. A good Our spot. Our own Nick Laporte. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Look out. <laughs> We need nah, uh, we need on the ground journalists that we can <sighs> like throw to and be like now to Nick Laporte in Vancouver. Hi everybody! Our so I'm sitting here. Yeah, we need correspondents. <laughs> um, so if you if you want to be a correspondent for us, you can actually do that. Kind of, sort of. Uh, write into us at uh, what's our email? Radiofreeurbanism at gmail dot com. Or leave a comment on the YouTube video. Picture. It used to just be that generic Google R or generic Google Google letter image that, you know, you would have if, you know, you didn't have a profile picture. But today I decided to put in just a little bit of effort and now nice. it has the Radio Free Urbanism logo. So now nice. when you see that, you know. Ethan, single-handedly keeping this show alive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, let's, let's move on to uh, some of that listener mail, some of our correspondents, if you will. Uh, and we'll start off with Jen's comment, uh, read by Ethan. Jen, the wonderful Halls Emporium, very big fan of the show, writes, The CES 2024 wrapped up last week, and year over year, micromobility is gaining in presence. Lots of innovations in e-bikes, scooters, etc. hit the showroom floor. If you could... Sorry, I can't read today. <laughs> If you could all add one of the latest and greatest micromobility devices to your collection, what would it be? That's a great question. That's a great question. I'm I'm that really glad one. this one popped up because this was actually in our show notes from the last show, but it didn't make the cut for the actual finalized show. So I'm glad we get to talk about it today. So that's pretty cool. So this is something I've been following, obviously. Love micromobility, and it was cool to see the stuff come out of CES. I didn't realize it was gaining such a huge presence. So if you go to Micromobility Industries on YouTube, they covered it in three parts. One of their the people who works at that channel covered it in three different videos. So you can check to see all the different things that are there. So what to talk about? Hmm. There's some good stuff. Like Jen said in the comment, e-bikes and scooters definitely dominated the floor. Like there was so many scooters and so many e-bikes, but there's, there's two in particular that I really want to highlight. And one of them is from Segway. So if you don't know, everybody knows what a Segway is, right? Segway mm -hmm. got bought out by Ninebot a while ago. And effectively, I think Segways are don't even exist anymore. You can't buy a new Segway anymore. But they do make scooters with the Segway branding. Uh, uh, they make Ninebot Maxes. They have a whole lineup of scooters. But they did come out with some new scooters recently in the past two years. Their GT series, which is like their big honking 11-inch wheel scooters. They're massive. They mm -hmm. range from, I think... 1500 to 2500 USD and they're pretty fast, very stable, very well regarded. They also have the P100S, which is the one I'm most interested. This is their older models again that came out on Kickstarter and it had a mixed kind of a mixed review when it first came out. It had some problems with the back axle, but it was like really in that sweet spot for a commuter scooter, which is the ones that I love. It went up to like, I don't know, 48 kilometers per hour max speed. It could climb hills pretty well. But the thing that they came out with now is called the ST1. And this is the one that I was most interested as far as the scooters go. This scooter looks like the GT mixed with the P100S. So it's like right in that middle. It's got the, the extra room for the shocks. 
It's got disc brakes. It looks like it has good coverage from 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 rain with the fenders, and it has a great IP rating. And it's not crazy fast because I'm not really interested in the crazy fast scooters, the ones that are going 70 plus kilometers per hour. It's just it's too much. We'll get into that another day, I'm sure. However, away from that, there was one particular thing that was really cool, and it was a suitcase scooter. Yeah, that's right. A suitcase scooter. In fact, this scooter scooter just looks like a carry-on suitcase. And not only is it a scooter, but it'll also follow you around with a like a blue Bluetooth RFID bracelet. So if you're like at the airport, you can just keep walking and this thing will just follow you around like a little robot, little R2D2, which is freaking awesome. So it actually has an extending handle that pops out the side and pops straight up that you sit right on the suitcase and then you can just scoot around. <laughs> the airport with this thing. It's hilarious. And that's the one that I would want. That's the answer to the question. I want this scooter. Um, Wasn't that Honda who made that? No, no, no. It's different. This is called air wheel suitcase scooter. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, again, think of a tiny carry on suitcase that just pops out the front. Oh, perfect. Sharing the screen here. Yeah. And it's, it's hilarious. It just looks ridiculous. Even okay, the Honda one did look ridiculous. They had a scooter that did look quite silly that you sat on. I actually saw one recently, a few days ago, a guy riding it down the Arbutus Greenway. I should have stopped to talk to him about it. But yeah, I had only seen one in the flesh. But yeah, this thing is yeah, it just you got to see it anyway. That's the Air Wheel suitcase scooter. Check that out. Interesting. I I I well, I, I don't know. I. <laughs> I don't know how much I like the suitcase thing. I don't know. The like it's a novelty. follows you around the airport. And so, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Someone's snatching that up here. I know that. <laughs> I just don't know how you're going to bring it on the plane because it's probably got lithium ion battery, right? Yeah. Who knows how yeah. big that is? Hey, you can bring it on the train. There you go. Yeah. Right around Tra- Union Station, you know. <laughs> we love trains. We do love trains. Uh, Ethan, what, uh, what micromobility thing would you add to your collection? So honestly, I'm going to be completely honest. As someone who lives in Vegas, I wasn't even paying that much attention to CES this year. Um, but if there was anything micro mobility wise that I could add, I would add in, you know, a car, a nice cargo e-bike. Mm-hmm. I just I, I love the versatility of those things. You know, the amount that you can carry, the ability to have someone hop on the back. You know, it really I really do love the first just the carrying capacity of those things. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd have to say the same. Like that's a that's a no no brainer for me. Um it's just it's convenient, you know. Uh being able to carry carry around so much and get get around like comfortably, but at the same time parking at places would be frustrating. So maybe I don't know, maybe I'd go for like a regular Gazelle e-bike. Um nothing nothing too fancy, you know. Uh, keep keep it simple. I gotta say, like, I love that the micro mobility stuff is taking over so much at uh, at CES, and that it's becoming just like something people talk about is uh, is these interesting and different creative ways to get around our cities. Um, I think it's I think it's super cool and exciting to to see that becoming more and more of just just a mainstream conversation not even like not even like an urbanist you need to like care about the planet kind of kind of conversation but just like uh hey yeah like it's a fun way to get to get around it's just fun right and it's cool it's also Um, something that people you can show to people really easily like people love to take e-bikes or e-scooters out like yeah you mention it you're rolling 
Oh, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's something that people don't even think about. And then when they finally try it, they're like, I need one of these. I need it now. Yeah. Where do I get the this? Moment, the <laughs> moment. I'm sure you guys also know this. The moment you first hopped on an e-bike and felt the motor kick in. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah, incredible. It's so It's just so nice to be able to get around so conveniently and, and comfortably. Yeah. First um, time I rode an e-bike with pedal assist, I'm like, I'm yeah. not even putting any power into this thing. Yeah. 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 It's I incredible. do love the pedal assist though, because it, it, I think it helps with, with like the, the connection to the movement, yes. right? Like it, instead of you just pressing a button, like it is on a car or like a throttle on an e-scooter or something, the pedal assist does give you a little bit more physical feedback of like I like I am in motion, um, and so I I really I think that's fantastic. Uh, we've got another comment, uh, or actually this one's an email. Again, you, our email is radiofreeurbanism at gmail uh, Nick, you got this one for us? Yeah, I'll read this one here. This one says, "Hi guys, long time listener, first time commenter. I just wanted to provide some clarity to Nick's comments about car free streets in Vancouver. I think we talked about that." few episodes ago, so the Granville Entertainment District, which houses the majority of Vancouver's nightlife scene, is car-free on Friday and Saturdays for three blocks east and west, while the north and southbound connectors open to traffic. The reasons for this was to have visible police presence to deal with problems that often arise from alcohol and testosterone. And yes, I can attest to that. It gets pretty crazy down there on the weekends. It's, uh, It's a bit ridiculous. Uh, and he goes on to say, I have a question for all of you. I'm fully supportive of 15 minute cities and increasingly density, increasing density around transit hubs. I'm wanting all of your opinions on how this will impact existing infrastructure. Our systems are already overwhelmed with wait times in emergency room hovering around four to six hours. Our daycares have massive wait lists requiring new families to put their names down two to four months before the child is born. Metro Vancouver class... Rooms are already overpopulated and we are only anticipating future growth. Should the increased density only be allowed if developers submit development applications related to appropriate infrastructure, for example, hospitals, daycares, and schools, would this make housing more affordable or more unattainable for the average British Columbian? Looking forward to your responses. Thanks, Gage B. Yeah, so... uh, we talked about this. We've talked about it in multiple times. I think maybe most aptly is the TOD word of the day. Like Alex said, we talked about a few episodes ago in Vancouver and the plans that the province made for these transit oriented developments around transit stops and increasing density around those places. So it's in reference to that. And at least from my perspective and where I would come from in this is that the population is already increasing to begin with. And yes, you could say there's differences about where those populations are going to be increased in that density in those spots, but it's the difference between somebody being able to afford to live in dignity in like a one to two bedroom apartment with their family or being squashed into, you know, a basement leaky basement apartment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think this, what Gage brings up is really interesting because usually I think we talk about uh, when, when discussing, when discussing housing and added density and infill and TODs, we talk about the infrastructure as like the the wastewater, uh, the sewage system, right? The roads, can the roads handle it? Uh, and I think it's really great that Gage brings up the conversation around like the schools and the amenities, right? Like, can these things handle it? And uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this and I'm going to make future videos talking about kind of these exact things. Uh, the first thing is often when we hear 
arguments like this, when when people hear, oh, but what about the roads? What about our infrastructure? What about uh, the schools? What about all of these things? Uh, we often hear this from people who are trying to block the housing. Um, uh, but I think it's really important to remember that these are legitimate concerns because these are like these are problems and these are problems uh, that that uh, that we've been plagued with for a while. And adding density has the potential to exacerbate these problems and uh, and make them more frustrating um, for everybody involved. But they're also solvable problems. Um, whether or not the solution or the potential solution that uh, Gage brings up that we could have, um, you know, have included in the development proposals, having uh, the developer say, hey, and we'll build a, a school in this way, or we'll make sure we add this park, or we'll do this. I don't know if that's necessarily the solution, because I think we also have institutional problems um, where we're not building enough schools, where we're not uh, paying teachers well enough to make teaching an interesting career for people to stay in long term. We're not giving them the supports to make sure that that's viable uh, mentally. Um, and so, so as far as whether or not that's something that a developer should include in their application, I think it would be great to have developers on board saying, mm -hmm. hey, and we would like to set aside this area for future school. But then I think it's really important that uh, that it's done in tandem with provincial or state or local authorities uh, to make sure that those services are uh, being ex uh, accessible uh, to the people in those communities. That's that's what I say broadly on on that subject. Yeah. And to add to yeah. that, I, I think it's important to note that while these developments might come from a particular develop like just a specific developer who wants to build one particular development in that specific area, I think it comes down to the municipality in conjunction with the province to make sure that these services are adequate. But the bonus that comes from these types of developments around transit hubs, for example, or 15-minute cities, is that increased density makes this huge tax base right in that center that can support itself. And it's not a huge drain on the city because it's actually producing so much at that at that specific place that it can support itself you're not spreading mm -hmm. yourself thin with huge swaths of single family homes yeah that's that's the one thing about um building you know mixed use developments is that you actually do reduce your strain in a lot of ways on your mm -hmm. infrastructure because you're concentrating people more into certain areas and building up density rather than sprawling it rather than sprawling it all out infrastructure like your water lines your power lines stuff like that is much easier to actually maintain just purely due to the fact that you don't have to outstretch these resources through sprawling suburbs and you mm -hmm. have less roads to maintain therefore you have more money to save to put into things like schools like hospitals you know and other things that can benefit your community community centers you know anything along those likes and the less you're putting into that essential infrastructure because you don't need to invest as much into it because it's not as sprawling, the more money that you are going to be able to, you know, direct into other infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. And I and think then, yeah, also your boosted tax base from that. Strongtown's actually just put out a post about how I, I think it was just this one taco joint alone was generating more revenue per, you know, square foot of the business than an entire target. Hmm. Yeah, and I think 
something important too and very specific about Canada right now is the immigration numbers. A lot of people are coming to this country. I think it's about half a million people every single year. And that's for, you know, a country, what's our population? It's not even 40 million 40 yet. million. Yeah, about just, 40 million. Just cracked it. Yeah, yeah, so it's growing very quickly. That's a huge amount of people. So it, it comes down to, okay, what do we do? We keep doing what we've been doing for ages and just keep sprawling out and spreading. Again, we've talked about this. Like there's only so far you can go. You look at the lower mainland, there's not a lot more room left and I'm going to repeat myself. What do we do? We just like look at the Americans and wave and say, hey guys, can we have some of your room? We've run out. Because at, at some point that will happen. So we have hey to guys, figure out how to nip it in the bud. It's simple. You just sprawl out Yellowknife. I don't know why you guys are thinking about <laughs> this. We have so much land. Let's just go up there. Yeah. 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 Just go up to the territories. I'm sure they'll love it. Global warming. We can just help help it move faster so those exactly. areas become more livable. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're on yeah. it. Yeah. We got this. Uh, yeah. Fire Big up those brain. coal plants, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I also, I also want to mention here, uh, Paige Saunders made a video last week talking about Canada's population. Um, and uh, it was a great mm-hmm. video. Well thought out. Um and uh, and so I highly recommend that. I'll link that in in the uh, description of of the video here. Um, but yeah, that was a great great video talking about talking about our population growth and why we need the population growth, and also why we need to start building the infrastructure to support that growth. Um, and so having TODs being built, um, we we can do that. And the th- the thing is that I that I always say this is a solvable problem. Uh, this is this is something we can do something about. Um, when when somebody comes with these concerns, we say, yeah, a hundred percent. That is uh, that is a valid concern. It's something that we need to think about. Where are these kids going to go to school? Um, where is our wastewater going to go? How are we going to deal with it? Um, but these are all things that we can do something about. Um, so uh, a well thought out development, I think, should include that. What that looks like. Um, I think it involves a lot of uh, developer, private, public partnerships and, and working together to make sure that uh, that we're building sustainable cities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so Agreed. much for the, the email. Keep them coming. Much yeah. appreciated, everybody. And if you hear noises outside from my mic, just just be warned. People love revving their engines in car-dependent places. <laughs> that might have been mine. I, I'm hearing lots of noise outside my window right now. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you clearly are, you know, Mr. Cycle and then put the bike in the Hummer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what? I uh, I live in a very pleasant single-family home neighborhood where the average population uh, age is getting older and older. Um, so we're nice and quiet here, uh, just the way my neighbors like it. Um, but, uh, I've, I've got a comment here from Austin Serson, another, another regular listener to the show. And Austin says, uh, Austin says, I'm super surprised that every neighbor I talked to in Charleswood was supportive of me running a bike repair shop out of my garage. At least four of my neighbors within sight lines have visited my shop. It go it just goes to show that not every single family household resident is a NIMBY. I'm sure they appreciated that I went through the official city licensing process, although uh, although one neighbor was a little concerned seeing the city development permit permit notice sign to add a business to the property, despite no actual construction taking place. So this is another thing. Um, when we, when we talk about NIMBYism, a lot of the time, uh, people are worried cause they don't know 
they don't know what's happening, right? Uh, they just they're they're just told, hey, something something's happening, or somebody's opening up a business on your block. Change, um, but, boo. But if but if you're just told like, oh, hey, I'm just running a bike repair shop out of my garage. You can pop by, bring your bike by, I'll, I'll fix it for you. I think people are a lot more on board with these things uh, than than you think they are. That's why I think like continuing conversations, making sure you keep an open dialogue um, is super important. So I, I appreciate that comment from Austin and wanted to bring that up. If you guys have any thoughts to add. No, it's the same thing across the board when it comes to talking with people is, you know, when you, you hear about quote unquote NIMBYs and like Alex said last week, we need to bridge the gap. When you actually talk to people face to face, you could be in deep disagreement about things online. I'm sure you got those people together. It's a lot more easy to reach common ground. Cause we're a lot more yeah. similar than we, we think. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Cause we're, we're all people who care about our community. Yeah. Um, so ha- having that conversation is, is huge. Um, speaking of people who care about our community, Ethan got called out. Hate yeah. Uh, I got exposed. Yeah. He got exposed. Do you want to <laughs> read, read this comment, Ethan? So yeah, I'll read this comment. This comment comes from uh, St. Louis and well, St. Louis dash YU nine IZ. Great episode as usual. However, you got something wrong, Ethan, semicolon. The combined metro areas of St. Louis and Chicago is larger than the corridor of Canada. Obviously, I want HSR from Windsor to Quebec to Quebec corridor. Just wanted to sorry, it's not scrolling. Just wanted to point this out and then a little smiley face at the end. And um, I kind of did like a rough estimate of the math and no, I'm still right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no you're wrong so it's just, i believe the population between windsor to quebec is just a little under half of the entire canadian population which is about somewhere in the range of 15 to 20 million rough hmm. estimate and the chicago the greater chicago land area has about nine to nine and a half million people and the greater St. Louis area has about 3 million people. So if you do the math, it's about 13, we'll just say 14 million to include places like Springfield, Bloomington Normal that are along the St. Louis to Chicago corridor. So they're similar, but the Canadian one just kind of barely edges it out. Uh, I'm uh, I'm looking at a map here, Ethan. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, here we go. <laughs> Um, oh. I, you know what? I might side with our St. Louis friend here. Really? Think, you know what? It might, uh, might just eke it out just a little, a, a little bit. I'd be shocked. I mean, I'm surprised because <laughs> St. Louis has lost a lot of population as of oh, recent. Oh, has it? The metro area, at least, even. Uh, the city, hmm. absolutely. The metro area has been in slight decline over time. Yeah. Um, I'm mostly saying this to grind your gears, Ethan. Uh, I, oh, I don't this is actually Wookman know. Today. I haven't I haven't done any any math on it, um, but maybe I, this can be an ongoing Alex thing. Showing up, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> I, hey, you said you wanted a little conflict. You wanted some disagreement. That's fair. We're, That's we're fair. trying to spice up the news we're here. Just, to... We're just blocked, reported. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so but yeah, I mean they're similar. They're similar. They're surprisingly similar population corridors and yeah. both deserve high speed rail. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's uh as well as Calgary and Edmonton. Uh we all get high speed rail. Um it's so, like the Oprah scene. You get high yeah, speed you get rail, high speed you get rail. high speed rail, everybody gets high speed rail. 
Do you know how amazing that would be? What a beautiful day. What a beautiful day in North America that would be if we just like, like Canada, Mexico, the US, all the way down to Central America. I want to be able to take a high-speed rail to the Panama Canal. I want to be able to take a high-speed rail through the Darien Gap, okay? I want to be able to take high-speed rail from Alaska to Chile and then under the ocean to Antarctica. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. This is what I'm looking for. And then across Antarctica to Australia. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That would take a while. Could you imagine a tunnel (laughs) under the Drake's Passage? Dude. It wouldn't cost very much to make. Come on. I don't. I don't know why we're not doing that. Honestly, <laughs> like it's a it's it's a huge money maker. Can we just speed? print money anyways? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I I think that'd be a great allocation of resources. Either way, um, it would be it would be cool to say we're the planet that did that. You know, yeah, did Mars do great. that? Did Venus do that? No, I didn't Earth think so. supremacy. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is what, we have, sh- this is what, what the show devolves into after the first hour mark. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, we do need to wrap it up though. Uh, do we have any final What about my wug mug? Somebody cut do? my wug mug. Oh, you've got a, you've got a wug mug. Did you cut Your it? Wug mug got cut. Somebody I didn't, didn't want I didn't, it. Hey, I didn't cut it. I didn't <laughs> cut happened? anything. <laughs> I have Let's, something to complain about and it's, it's been brewing up and I know we've, we've talked about this recently and I'm sure many times we'll talk about it again. But it's I'm very being very specific with my words here. Unnecessary idling, unnecessary mm. idling. Okay, this is something that's been pissing me off, and I'm sharing a video, a collection of videos that I put together, a collage, a compilation, if you wish. You can watch that on YouTube. But so last week was really cold, right? It got really cold. It snowed a ton, and there were people, a ton of people idling, and the air quality in Vancouver was terrible. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's something I'll throw a blind eye to when it's below zero degrees and you're frosted up. And I know there's ways you don't need to run your car. You can scrape the window. You can let it run for five minutes. But the amount of cars I saw this week when it was like eight degrees on my way to work, sitting idling with nobody in it, get the fuck out of my city. I don't want to ride through your goddamn like cloud of exhaust when I'm going to work. Like it's like, it's bullshit. Like I'm not trying to be insane here. Like it's actually bullshit. If you're in your car and you're on your phone, Fuck you. Like you're, you're, you're actually a piece of shit. Like For turn off American your goddamn car. Like Sorry. it pisses me off to, oh my, like, so this video I'm, I'm sure like I've took video of people in their car scrolling Facebook on their phone while their giant SUVs running. It's fucking stupid. Like, stop it, please. Oh, the G wagon too. Yeah. Even better. It's. It's, it's, sorry, I got, I got, this is what Wugmuk's for, okay? No, I gotta let it out. Yeah, exactly, let it out. exactly. Let it out. This, is the, this is the so, vent sesh. <laughs> yeah. This is the vent sesh. In the, in the first one that set me off, it was Monday morning and it was at the beginning of this video. You can see the cloud. I put it in slow motion. You see the cloud, the vapor spreading across the entire street as my, my bike light points onto it. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's too much. It's too much. So that's, I could just say, hey, please just. If you need to run your car, get inside it, turn it on and go. Because guess what? As you start driving, it actually heats up the car quicker than just leaving it sitting and idling and poisoning the air for everybody around. Okay. That's all I want to say. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> I'm, also, you know just, for our, just for our American <laughs> viewers out there, eight degrees is somewhere around, I believe, like 45 to 50 degrees. I think so, it's like, um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's not cold. That's not cold. You can just start your car and drive at that temperature. You, the, yeah, you the do heat not w- need to warm up your car. The heat will turn it on. It's above freezing. In two seconds, it'll be warm yeah. in your cab. Like it's not yeah. something you need to be doing. Yeah. And uh, it's it's one of those things where people wasting their money, wasting the air. And not only that, what makes it even worse is the fact that so many new cars now come with like air filtration systems that you don't even have to turn on that cycle thing inside the air air filtration. Mm. It's just the mm-hmm. intake filters the air so you have clean air to breathe. So while you're in your cab, just a little cabinet, you're the you know, living room on wheels, you're rolling through the city with clean air to breathe while you're spewing out toxic fumes for the people outside of cars. It's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is actually a big thing um, as like that, uh, that good cycling infrastructure does for you as well. Like it gives you a little separation uh, from that, from that exhaust yeah. as well, because it sucks. It sucks when you're I riding love your bike. Breathing exhaust fumes. Yeah, well, that's why I love sharing the road. <laughs> it's like the the cities by <laughs> Diana ones, where it's like I love breathing in microplastics. Um, yeah, it's disgusting, right? Like when when you're riding your bike and somebody drives by you and uh, and you get exhaust right mask. in the face. I'm a gas maxing car dependency supporter. Yeah. A walk settled urbanist build hellhole. Something like that. Yeah. It's, but it's one thing if you're, you know, if I'm on my scooter, you're, you're riding by, it's not pleasant. But when you're on a bicycle, like riding uphill, huffing and puffing, and you get blasted with some diesel exhaust, that's rough, man. Mm-hmm. It's not only really unpleasant, a, it's just bad for your health. Yeah. Yeah. Drives well, me crazy. Yeah, um, I'm I'm glad we got that out, and uh, hopefully hopefully we hopefully we encounter a little less exhaust uh, fumes in the future. But alas, that's going to do it for this episode of Radio Free Urbanism. Thanks for joining Already? us, folks. You can find me on Humane Cities uh, wherever I happen to be. Um, and uh, Nick, where can we find you? I'm at Nick Laporte on YouTube or Nick the Door and other socials. Excellent. And Ethan. And folks, you can find me at Climate and Transit on pretty much every platform except for Twitter because I'm just at Climate Transit there. But yeah, that's where you can find me and all my great content. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Thanks for another great show. And we will be back next week with, uh, with some more things to say, I'm sure. Two wheels good. Train good. This show is made possible by listeners like you. For more episodes, find us on your favorite podcatcher or on YouTube at Radio Free Urbanism. (laughs) Car bad. (laughs) I got it in!